This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we give you a full men's basketball preview. Wednesday night, it's the season opener. Alabama State rolls into Memorial Gym. That is a 7 o'clock Central Time tip-off on the SEC Network Plus channel. So Vanderbilt and Alabama State will get the season going this Wednesday night. Will and I preview the entire season. We run through our predictions for the starting five, an unhealthy starting five versus a healthy starting five. We also discuss some of the X factors on this team, how some of the younger players fit into Coach Stackhouse's scheme, also a full schedule breakdown, and where this team sits in the pecking order of the SEC heading into this season. Coming right up here on the Door Report, we've got a full Vanderbilt men's basketball season preview. Stay tuned because we've got all that coming up here on the Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Let's ride. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome into The Door Report. It is episode 123. It is November the 8th, 2021 here on a Monday night uh, in the Music City where Will is down here in Florida. Still am I, but we are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. And Will, today is our full basketball preview. We're not talking football. We're not talking baseball. We are solely focusing on men's basketball because they start their season Wednesday night against Alabama State. So, uh, Will, basketball season, it's it's been pretty a lot of the same these past few years, but there's some hope this season, and, and there's also some hope that we avoid injuries because we've already got one. Luckily, it's not out for the season. I don't know if that counts for the curse, but, man, we uh, if they could avoid injuries, we think this team could be pretty good. Yeah, they've got one slash two because they've also got Liam Robbins yes. who's dealing with the lingering foot injury in Chapman uh, who partially tore his meniscus, I believe, so – the, the curse just continues, but we've said it leading up to this, and we'll, of course, break down the entire roster, but it really just comes down to one guy staying healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, whether, whether this team is able to take a step forward or whether they're going to remain in the cellar of the SEC, and that's Scottie Pippen Jr., the preseason right. SEC player of the year. I mean, you have a guy of that caliber that decided to take his name out of the draft, come back to school. It's all going to be on him, mm-hmm. and he came back to be the star of the show He's going to have that opportunity and he's going to have the chance to improve his draft stock. So he's just, he is going to be worth the price of admission yes. if you're actually able to make it into a Memorial yes. Gym with those new requirements. Yeah, and we'll see how strict they are on those new requirements. I know they have them and, and they're there. But have you, Had you been to Bridgestone since I, they implemented I had not. that? I have been before, but not since they implemented it. So Yeah, they put it, they put it in there and I've been to a Preds game since then and really it's it's kind of just a show. I mean, that you walk in and they, this security guard looks at it for like half a second. Like yeah. they have any idea whether it's real or fake. And then you walk <laughs> in. So it basically just log jams a line. But other than that, it really doesn't accomplish anything. So that's yeah. what I expect to see out of uh, Vanderbilt we'll, we'll uh, see how, in this we'll opening see. game. Let's get to the talk, Will. Uh, before we get to the full preview, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and review on iTunes. All right, let's get to the full hoops preview. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, well, let's uh we're going to get to a lot here. We're going to get to our starting five predictions. We're going to get to where we see this team in the pecking order in the SEC and we're going to get to a, a few few schedule predictions. We're going to predict some of these games, but I want to start with a question. And we have it on our script here is what are realistic expectations for this team? And and this is a very open-ended question, very broad, very vague, but uh and we'll get to where we think they'll be in the SEC, but well, for this team and Coach Stackhouse, we've talked about it. This is a make-or-break season. If Stackhouse is able to show that they have made progress and made steps in the right direction, I think some fans that that may turn some fans' heads. But if he shows the same trajectory of the way these seasons have been going, it's going to be a lot more of the same. So this is a big year for this team, but also for Coach Stackhouse and his, I guess, respectability not only in the SEC but with this fan base because. It seems with this fan base, it's taken them a little bit longer to get on that Stackhouse train, reasonably so. He hasn't produced on the floor at all. Now we've got some recruiting momentum here towards the end. But, well, for me, realistic expectations for this team is honestly at 500 or above 500 in the SEC because they have not played well. They've played well non-conference. Now, that once you get in the SEC season, that's a whole different animal, a whole different animal. And the SEC, they, they, they've said to begin this season, a lot of these guys that – they believe they're in the top half of the SEC, and that's that's saying a lot. That's a lot of confidence. So you're seeing these guys coming to the season with confidence. It's a whole other thing, though, to step out there and compete with a lot of these SEC teams. So, Will, for me, I'm going to start with at 500 or above 500. And I think, you know, that's that, those are high expectations, you know, to finish, what, 8-8, eight and eight, I think it is, in the SEC, something like that. So that's tough, and it, but, it, but I think it's attainable. So I think for this team, Will – realistic expectations with the talent they have is a 500 record in the in the sec and i think they can do it but again like i said it's a whole nother thing going out there and actually accomplishing it yeah this is really the first time that we've been able to have expectations for Jerry stackhouse and go into a year that we can really judge him at all because really he's been hamstrung by injuries his his first seasons at vanderbilt Mm -hmm. you could say to an extent breister was as well even though those loss totals were not acceptable but Something that kind of built the momentum that Vanderbilt fans feel that I don't think a lot of people across the country have the same feeling of is the end of last season was very different. And Mm -hmm. this team turned a corner and they were playing harder and they were playing together. And Pippen Jr. especially started really clicking within this offense as a real, real point guard. Um, And really, when you look at it, I mean, we... The last few years have been brutal for Vanderbilt mm-hmm. Athletics. All I can say is thank God for Tim Corbin. Because <laughs> I, I remember sitting in that stadium and it was about, you know, 60-70% through the football season and everybody mm-hmm. was just saying, well, thank God basketball season's about to start. And we haven't yeah, been able yeah, to yeah. say that. I mean, you look at the last four years, you saw the last three years, 
Um, the, this team, of course, has finished in 14th out of 14 teams in the SEC with records of 9-16, and 11-21, and 9-23. And the year before that, in 2017-2018, was 12-20 and 20 and finished 13th in the mm-hmm. SEC. Um, before that, when you look at the seasons, it's crazy to think the perception of what people see Vanderbilt basketball as right. now. Because before that, finishing bottom four in the SEC was unacceptable. I mean, that you just didn't see it. There were only three losing records from 2000 to 2017. And then they had four. That's and crazy. they had never in the history of Vanderbilt basketball lost 20 games in a season and then did it three years in a row. Mm-hmm. So we talk about it and we talk about Vanderbilt basketball in a different light than Vanderbilt football because this team has had success. And this team has had teams in the past that have been consistent tournament teams and that has been the expectation and it's really crazy to see how far they have fallen Mm -hmm. so quickly Um, and it all stemmed from that Darius Garland injury and then the injuries have just continued to to build on top of each other but you know you talked about that that recruiting momentum because we'll get into our real record expectations Mm -hmm. once we hit that point but you talked about recruiting momentum and we had Lee Dort and we talked about Colin Smith and Noah Shelby. Mm-hmm. And then you all said Tyron Lawrence, Shane Dizoni. So you had a lot of this talent, this four and five star talent that's starting to brew and build mm-hmm. on this roster. And that's how you win. Yeah. But when you take a step back, Billy, we talked about it last episode, what we saw Tim Corbin do with David Price, Pedro Alvarez, what we see Clark Lee trying to do. You're seeing the effect of NBA talent on this yeah. on these recruiting classes, regardless of anything else they're seeing Neesmith contribute for the Celtics mm-hmm. they're seeing Saban Lee who contributed for the Pistons last year Darius Garland is coming into his own they've had guys consistently in the past Festus Azili Damian Jones mm-hmm. Wade Baldwin so you're seeing this start to build and hopefully this season you can add on court success yeah. to those guys that you're seeing in them and I, I'm with you too Will it's crazy to see how far they have fallen because I think a lot of Vandy fans look back at those years with with Kevin Stallings and you just kind of look at that and you're saying, wow, we, we were able to do that. Like, like that, 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 that basketball program was once that good. And, and yes, it was. And, and I think that it's, you know, we talk about sleeping giants all the time. I'm not, you know, by any means going to call this, this program a sleeping giant, but Kevin Stallings showed Kevin Stallings showed that, that this program can be that, what, that, what they were. And so I think for coach Stackhouse, when he came in, obviously that's, you know, we talk about Clark Lee coming in after coach Mason. We, I don't think we've talked that very much about, Zary Stackhouse coming in after being hired by Malcolm Turner and trying to rebound from Bryce Ruse. So with this team, will you like you, I'm with you too on the recruits. Like you're seeing guys like Lee Dort and Noah Shelby talk about guys like Darius Garland and Saban Lee and see that pedigree start at Vanderbilt and go into the NBA. So I, I think for me, will this team, it's really it, it, it's it's mind-boggling me because I'm I, I'm really I'm really surprised that this many fans are, 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 I mean, I, I get they're excited, but for Stackhouse, he has a lot to prove and, and, you know, he hasn't had anything to, to work with. He hasn't, Vandy fans don't have much to work with here. So I think, Will, you look at Scotty Pippen Jr. We're going to run through the lineup here a little bit, but Liam Robbins, I think is the X factor. And if Liam Robbins can step in and contribute at a high level, I'm not going to say this team is a tournament team, but they're going to be 500 or above in the SEC. And, and this, and especially with, with some other key pieces that we'll get to, like Tyron Lawrence, Ronnie Chapman, Chapman, who is, of course, is unfortunately hurt. But, well, Liam Robbins, if he's able to stay healthy and actually contribute the way we think he can, I think this team will be able to click. Now, that's been the talking point. Vandy hasn't had that strong post presence ever since, I think. I mean, you could say semi-shitu, but he was hurt most of his career. Festus Ezeli, I think, is the last guy. 
And, and so I think, you know, that dominating presence. And so, you know, we're looking for Lee Dort to be that guy. But if Liam Robbins will can turn into that person, I think this team can be pretty good. Now, if, if Robbins is, is struggling with injuries and maybe he doesn't play up to his potential, this team's a lot of the pressure is on the guards. So, Will, are you with me there with Liam Robbins and, and the way if he's able to play up to what we think he can do, this team can be pretty damn good? Or is that or am I, you know, am I going way too above my head there? I mean, we talked about it before. Scotty Pippen Jr. is going to be the straw that stirs the drink. He is going to be what runs this show if he's having a good season, which we have expectations that he is going to and elevate his draft stock. This team's going to be pretty solid regardless. Now, does pretty solid mean you're going to be above 500 even in overall record? Absolutely not. That's going to come down to a lot of X factors. I think number one is Liam Robbins. Is this foot injury going to linger throughout the year? Because to wrap up that season last year for uh, Minnesota, Minnesota, yes, I, am I, yes. yes. Oh my Minnesota. gosh, I just it's you a late it right. night record. It's a, we're late <laughs> night recording, Billy. You keep pushing them back on me. I'm to get too old for it. But transfer from Minnesota, he's seven foot one. He's huge. And to close out that season, he had a stretch of twelve. And he games. can shoot too. Yeah, it was a stretch of 12 games in there, and I think eight or nine of them were against ranked opponents. Mm -hmm. And he scored in double digits in 11 of 12, 11 of those 12 games yes. at the end of that year, um, or at the beginning of that year before mm -hmm. his injury, I apologize. But that is something that Vanderbilt has not had whatsoever. You look mm -hmm. at guys that they've had in the past, even Damian Jones, as good and solid as he was down there, he was certainly not a consistent offensive presence and he would get consistently in foul trouble. So just having a steadfast post in there that can be your starter. And then you have Quentin Marilla Brown, who I think can be a solid role player behind mm -hmm. him. I don't think that that's going to be your long-term solution at the five. You need Liam Robbins there, but there's a lot of X factors on this roster. Yes. Chapman coming back from injury, Jordan Wright specifically mm -hmm. taking a big step forward is going to be a key factor this yeah. year. And Miles Studi, he's going to play a much, much bigger yes. factor than he did last season. Yeah, and we're going to learn a lot about the development of Coach Stackhouse and this staff and if he's able to get these guys developed and, and stay true to his form. But, well, Liam Robbins, is he, he's legit. I think he's kind of sneaking under the radar a little bit, but I think a lot of people are looking at those stats and, and saying, wow, he, he led the Big Ten and finished with 10th in the nation with three blocks per game. Like, this guy is a monster in the paint. So with Scottie Pippen and Liam Yeah, and Robbins I think his there, rebounding there, Billy, is what rebounding and blocking or shot blocking ability is what's really getting everybody's attention. But the guy can score, and he yeah. has a pretty decent offensive game for a guy of his size. So him just being on that court, because what you need to find is two, three guys, ideally, that can take attention off of Scottie Pippen yes. and not allow these teams – just a completely game plan mm -hmm. and shift help towards his side. And just guys that can consistently night in, night out, come out, not put up insane stats, but you know, consistently eight to 12 points, eight mm -hmm. to 14 points. And every once in a while pop into that 18 to 20 point range. And yeah. that's all they're looking for. They have their star. That's usually what you're looking for is your guy that you know is going to go out there. And if he has under 20 points, it's a disappointing mm -hmm. night. But they have that. What they yeah. need to find is the two or three other guys underneath him that are going to be averaging in those low teens. Yeah. And that's what's going to separate them from being a team that kind of just elevates to that 11-12 spot versus somebody that can actually compete yeah. in the middle of the pack this year. And that was a problem last year with this team. It was Scottie Pippen, but not much else. And, and, you know, that's the next step for this team. Whatever they can find that guy, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Liam Robbins? Is it going to be Jordan Wright? Is Ronnie Chapman going to be able to step up in the scoring? So 
we'll see. And well, let's get to that. Let's get to our starting five predictions. And, you know, we're going to learn a lot about this team throughout the season. I think there's going to be one of those years where you figure out things that you may not have known before the season and you start to learn about the team more, but let's get to their starting lineup. And will I have two editions of this because there are two starters that are hurt and will not be uh, playing against Alabama state. So for me against Alabama state Wednesday night, here's the five. I think are going to be on the floor. Number one, uh, the one position, Scotty Pippen Jr. At the two, I think Tyron Lawrence is going to get the start. At the three, Jordan Wright. At the four, Miles Studi. And at the five, Quentin Melora Brown is going to have to start because of Liam Robbins' absence. So, uh, but Will, the second edition is when they're healthy. And I think you can guess where I'm going to go is Scotty Pippen Jr. at the one, Ronnie Chapman at the two, Jordan Wright to three, Studi at the four, and Liam Robbins at the five. And well, that group of five right there seems to be at the top half of the SEC talent-wise because you got a Scottie Pippen Jr., the preseason player of the year at the one, Ronnie Chapman, a transfer from Dayton who's played – he also played at uh, UTC. Uh, before that, he's got experience at all different levels. Jordan Wright, an experienced guy in this system. Miles Studi, really, I guess, only the only question mark there, but he played well at times last season in that role. And then Leah Robbins. So – well, when you look at that lineup, I think you say, okay, this team can win some games. You got your shooters in Scotty Pippen Jr. Jordan Wright, uh, of course, can shoot the ball. Even Miles Studi, if he's playing the four, that may be a difficult spot for him, but he can shoot as well. And then Liam Robbins, he's he's as versatile a five as you can get. Um, and he's athletic. He's He can shoot the ball. So, well, when this team is healthy, that starting five, I think, is is at the top half of the SEC and can beat a lot of the really good teams. But when they're not healthy – that changes the game because you got a young Tyron Lawrence coming back after an injury, likely starting there. And then Quentin Malora Brown, who's more of a utility guy. So, Will, we, we've talked about it. The injuries are what's holding this team back. And, and if they can get healthy again, this team is, they're not going to be playing on a Wednesday night in the sec. I think that's something we want to get away from, but also they can beat some of those good teams, especially defensively. Will that I want to touch on their defense, but that's my starting five, and I know you probably have a similar one. There may be a, a, a guy or two maybe out, uh, but that's my starting five. Pippen, Lawrence, uh, Wright, Studi, and Melora Brown for Alabama State. But when they're healthy, Pippen, Chapman, Wright, Studi, and Robbins. You know, it's hard to argue with those, Billy, because I think that's pretty much inarguably what is going to happen. Yeah, there's not – that's about the expected lineup. Anything from that, I think, is going to be a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, I, I think the only thing, Will, is some people have argued Taryn Frank over Miles Studi. Now, okay. I, you know, I, I can see that, but I'm, I'm basically going with Studi is the more experienced in this system. You know, I think yeah. that's where you go with Studi there. I also think with Studi, he provides a little bit more scoring yes. than Taryn Frank as well. And with Liam Robbins out and Quentin Marilla Brown, who's not necessarily a scoring option whatsoever at that five, yeah. I think that the, the – versatility of Miles Studi, who mm -hmm. is kind of a guy I think has flown under the radar. I like him. Um, and, and I say that with, at the beginning of last season, he started out and I don't want to say was setting the world on fire, but he scored three, he scored in double digits just three of his first four games. And mm -hmm. then he slowly kind of trickled off in playing time as the season went on. He was a freshman. That's expected. He had some mm -hmm. inconsistency, but he's going to need to take a huge step forward. He could and be a key, yeah. He, he could be a big key, especially early before you get Chapman Liam Robbins mm -hmm. back. But the X factor this year, we mentioned Liam Robbins, Chapman, those guys are hurt right now. The X factor early, because there are a lot of winnable games early for Vanderbilt that are going to set the tone mm -hmm. for the rest of this year. And I really think the X factor in all of this is Jordan Wright. 
um, because he showed flashes of being a legitimate scoring option last year. Yeah. His stats improved from, from his freshman year to his sophomore year. If he can take that jump again, he went from playing 16 minutes his freshman year to 24 minutes a game his sophomore year. He went from shooting 37% to shooting almost 49%. His three-point wow. percentage went from 15% to over 43%, and he averaged 8.7 games uh, last season as opposed to 5.7 the year before. So mm -hmm. he had a bigger role last season. That's going to take an even bigger step yes. forward this year, and he's going to need to keep those same shooting percentages, and he's going to need to get that average in the double digits. Mm -hmm. So if he can make the same jump in productivity that he made from his freshman to his sophomore year and his sophomore to his junior season, and this team is go this team's going to be fine early, even with yeah. the injuries. They're going to they're going to surprise some people mm -hmm. um him miles studi and tyron lawrence are going to have to be those mm -hmm. guys that kind of fill the role and fill the void yes. of chapman and robbins and can and have to help out scotty pippen because he's going to be the main focus of every single defensive game plan and that's going to create opportunities for guys like jordan wright like miles studi mm -hmm. to slash in or or spot up on the outside and shoot yeah. which jordan wright developed last season so tyron lawrence is really a big question mark because yeah. we didn't see almost anything out of him last season. Nothing, and he's yeah. probably going to be playing relatively big minutes this year. So there's a lot of X factors, Billy. Uh, you keep saying X factor, <laughs> but damn, I think we've named off the whole roster. Yeah, well, I, I also think another X factor will be what we learned from Coach Stack's coaching style. Because we saw with Bryce Drew, he brought in Darius Garland, a five-star point guard. And I, I think we had, we had the expectation of this team is going to be really good because of their talent. It's Simi Shitsu. Bryce Drew was fairly new in his coaching career. But this year, Will, I think we should be almost at that point. This team is not as talented as that team was, but this team is experienced. And this team has a point guard in Scottie Pippen Jr. that could be up for not only SEC Player of the Year, but National Player of the Year. I mean, he, he's that good. So how does Stack incorporate everyone else in that? And, and it seems to me this lineup, Will, is Pippen and everyone else. And I hate saying that. I really do. But Pippen is that good. And, and he's going to be a first-round draft pick next year. But, Will, as we go down, as we go down this list, there are some more intriguing pieces. Now, you know, we talked about it. It's a pretty damn solid starting five when they're healthy. And I think, Will, too, Chapman, I want to talk more about him. I think he helps the entire team, obviously, because he's a new face. He, he's athletic. He's a great defender. But he's a player that will benefit um, Scottie Pippen Jr. supremely. And I know he's out right now, but he could be back as soon as December 4th against SMU. If not against SMU, he could be back for the Temple game on December 7th uh, if he recovers quick enough. But with Chapman on the floor, Will, that provides Stackhouse with another ball handler he can use to relieve some of that scoring pressure off of Pippen. And so, and he's also a great defender. Pippen's not going to be forced to guard the other team's best guard anymore. Chapman's, you know, they're, they're obviously going to want to put Chapman on that guy. So, Rodney Chapman, well, I'm really excited to see him. We may not see him until uh, mid-December. You know, the curse, I guess, continues here. But I want to see him because I want to see how Stackhouse uses him not only defensively but offensively with Pippen. Now Pippen doesn't have to do all that penetrating and kicking. So with Chapman, well, I'm excited. But also guys like Trey Thomas and, and even some of those freshmen like DeZoni and Dorsey, where do they fit in? So I feel like, you know, the best of the rest, we called it here in this script, Who's going to step up out of that pack? Because you're going to have to need some of those guys to step up. And we saw what Trey Thomas could do. I mean, he can light the floor up with scoring. I mean, he he lit it up against Ford. I think he hit three threes in a row to take the lead in that game. So they have shooters. Like, like this team's not going to be worried about shooting. Even Dorsey can step in. So, Will, who's going to step up out of that best of the rest, guys? That'll be another key to watch this season, I think. 
yeah, this team has a lot of guys that can shoot the ball. This team also has a lot of guys that are very, very streaky. Yes. And that is dangerous. As even Scottie Pippen is really, really streaky. Mm-hmm. And when you look at Pippen's stats, his shooting percentages aren't don't necessarily jump off the charts. And that's where Chapman, I think, is going to be missed so heavily early on, is what he was going to allow Pippen to do was get open off of the ball. And when you are the main focus of a defense's game plan, it is really, really tough to get you open in any type of screen and roll game yep. because their immediate response is likely going to be to double you. And they're going to switch everything uh, likely off the ball. But when you can run somebody off of screens, off of the ball with a legitimate point guard and Chapman with experience, mm-hmm. who he's not necessarily a scorer, but in his last season at UTC, at UT Chattanooga, uh, before he transferred to Dayton, he was averaging over 13 points a game. And then he mm-hmm. averaged right at eight points a game both seasons with Dayton, but he's not a scorer. He doesn't have to provide that at Vanderbilt. Yeah. He just has to facilitate the offense with when Pippen is on the court. Of course, Pippen is going to do a lot of the ball handling, but it's going to allow Stackhouse to do other other things that he wouldn't yes. necessarily be able to do without an experienced point guard on the floor, especially yeah. in these SEC games late. So I think Liam Robbins you're going to miss throughout the whole year. But I think if these injuries were going to happen, having them happen in non-conference play, I think this team and this roster is good enough with Pippen Mm -hmm. uh, leading the charge to win a lot of these non-conference games. Now, they may drop a couple that they otherwise wouldn't have. Um, But really, it's going to be who is going to step up out of these six or seven names and become that second, third, and fourth Mm -hmm. scoring option, especially with those two guys out. And that's a huge question mark going in early. Yes, and you talked about Chapman and how Stackhouse might use him. I think Stackhouse is learning now that he's going to be able to use uh, Chapman and Pippen and those other guards in a lot of different ways now because I think you saw last season, Will, the guys were in the spots, but they weren't necessarily the right guys for that play or for that setup. So Stackhouse and what he's able to do with this team We're going to learn a lot about it. And I think, you know, he's talked about in some of his interviews, he's changed some things. They've changed some things defensively. They've changed changed some things uh, schematically. So I'm excited to see that and and where everything fits in. Because let's face it, Will, I don't think we know a whole lot about this team. You know, who who, we haven't been at practice. We don't know who's developing. We don't know who's looking good. But we what we do know is that they have a national player of the year contender in Scottie Pippen Jr. and some talent around him with some transfers and Chapman and Robbins. And so I think that's kind of the bottom line with this team. But, Will, let's move on to where we think this team is in the SEC. And this SEC is just as good as they've been over the past three, four years. It's, it's on fire. I mean, there's so many good teams at the top. I mean, you got Kentucky, Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn, LSU, and you go down on down the line. But out of those 14 teams, Will, I'm going to say they finish near the middle. I think they finish from that six to nine type of spot. Uh, if they get, if they, if they're around 10 and 11, maybe 12, I don't think that's good news. If they can finish more towards the middle through that six to nine type of spot, I think they can be, you know, obviously they're going to be out of that Wednesday night of the SEC, but that means they're beating some of those good teams like Florida and Auburn and LSU and Tennessee. So I'm going to have them at nine, Will. I'm going to put them at nine. And that's, I have them above Ole Miss, Missouri, South Carolina, A&M, and Georgia. And those teams are not slouches. Like Ole Miss is a team Vandy has struggled with. Missouri won't won't be awful this year. I have them at nine. I I don't think they finish in the top half of the SEC because I, you know, it's more of the, what have you done for me lately? And, and, you know, they haven't shown me enough to, to give me that confidence to put them in that top half of the SEC. So I'm going to put them at nine because of some of those question marks. How healthy is Liam Robbins going to be? Where's Chapman going to be in his health? So Pippen himself put, makes me have enough confidence to put them 
up a couple spots from last year, but I need to see more from the, from those other guys. And, and that's where I'm at right now with this team. Now, if Chapman gets healthy, Robin gets healthy, that, that line, that number nine line may shift up a little bit, but there's some really good teams in this sec and it's hard to find a, you know, it's hard to find a top half spot for this team because there's so many of those good teams at the top. Now I, I think they can go on the road and win some of these games, but you know, you got to win a lot. You got to win a decent amount. You got to beat a lot of those good teams. So I got them at nine right now, Will. Let's, let's see where uh, let's see where you got them. Yeah, I think there this splits off, in my opinion. This is just me reading through the rosters. Of course, I haven't kept up in detail with every single one of these right. teams. But I think this breaks up pretty easily into four tiers going into the season. And I don't want to put – I set a good goal for this team. I don't think saying NCAA tournament or top half or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I think finishing and not playing in the first round of the SEC yes. tournament and those bottom four teams where you play in the opening round of that tournament mm -hmm. I think is a realistic and good goal for this team. Um, but I think it breaks up Georgia and Texas A&M – or Georgia and South Carolina, I think – and maybe Texas A&M are probably in that bottom tier. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's kind of right after that a little blurred line, but then you have, I think, Vanderbilt, Missouri, Ole Miss, maybe Mississippi State, but mm -hmm. I think they kind of go up into that tier above, and then it goes into the tier right above that, which is Mississippi State, Florida, LSU, Auburn. You have it kind of laid out exactly yes. how I see it. And then the top tier is clearly, there's a clear line, and then it goes Tennessee, Arkansas, Alabama, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And I was reading an article that I think it said that the SEC has no teams in the top five of the Ken Palm rankings. Wow. But I think it said they have seven or eight, and I could be completely misquoting it, from five to number 25. Wow. So this is, this is a super open SEC, uh, but there is a ton of talent. There, Kentucky's not necessarily alone at the top, but there are four mm -hmm. teams kind of sitting up there that I think are kind of sitting alone. So I think right where you pegged them, Billy, I think probably okay. that number 10 spot is right where they should be, their goal should be to land. But like you said, a lot of this is going to come down to can Chapman return from that injury on the schedule and can Liam Robbins actually recover from that foot injury? Yes. Because if that doesn't happen, I don't, it's going to be a really tough path without those guys right. during SEC play to make it out of that first mm -hmm. four. I'm with you. And Will, is there a timetable on Robbins right now? I, I, I know. We, I think he uh, said he was supposed to start returning two team activities in two weeks. And unless I was weeks. misreading okay. that, return two team activities. So he's and not that, even participating with the right. team right now. All right. So I think right now, Robbins, getting him back for SEC play would be a logical, you know, conclusion there. And, and that's not a bad thing. Now, may, they may drop a non-conference game or two without Robbins, but, you know, I think Stackhouse is doing the right thing and kind of letting slowly getting him back into the rhythm and, and getting him back for the SEC. So, Will, we've agreed a lot. I think we both have Vandy there in the in, in that middle towards the bottom and not quite in the – in that bottom four, but but just well, you got to remember, we're, we're taking this from we're Vanderbilt basketball fans, and we know how they used to perform during the season and right. see the roster right now. But remember, the seasons in order have been 14th, 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 13th. Mm -hmm. So if they can finish ninth or 10th, that's, that's not that's, a that's, that's not a, a jump to right scoff direction. at. That's a that's a leap in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Right before you bring in the most talented class Stack has had, add yes. on another four slash five star, two other four stars and three star mm -hmm. to the roster of, I think there's three four stars on here right now. Mm -hmm. So you could be working with a lot of talent mm -hmm. moving forward and that's just going to keep the momentum yeah. going with recruiting. And, and this is the last season, Will, that that I think Vandy fans will go into it kind of wondering what's going to happen mm -hmm. because next season we're going to be able to know what's going to happen because of all that talent. And, and that's what Stackhouse has needed. He's excited. But again, let's not scoff over. I, I do want to say, I'm curious your thoughts on this, Billy, before we get look into the schedule at all. But 
I've seen people talking. There is a zero percent chance in my mind, and in, in no way Stackhouse on the, on the hot seat this season. No, no. Um, I, I've is... seen a kind of moderate hot, and I'm like, no, no, no. This is this is still he's kind of he's rebuilding this roster from what it has lost, and you have this class coming in. Regardless of what happens this year, I don't care if they have another twenty loss season, even with Pippen. Mm-hmm. Stack is not on the hot seat now. Mm-hmm. Going into next season. He will be. It will be time to perform going yes. into next year. There's no more excuses. There's no more. Now we say that, and then injury happens. What and yeah. so be it. But that's the nature of the beast. But this year, I think there are expectations to build forward, and I think this team has a pretty high ceiling. But I also think they have a pretty low low floor as well. Yes, I agree. I agree with you on that. And, and will another added aspect we haven't talked about is the two assistant coaches he brought in, Michael Curry. And Ed Conroy and and Conroy had 30 years of coaching experience at Minnesota and and Curry has been in the SEC. He played he coached at Georgia for a little bit, especially in the NBA. So we'll see how those guys work into the system and and how how much different this team looks with those guy with those coaches in there. So uh, that's kind of an added benefit that Coach Stack is able to work with. But again, a lot of talent. Uh, but how are they going to work together? And and again, the depth I think could be the, another question for this team. And we'll see where they go with that depth. But well, if you're ready, let's hop into this schedule uh, because it's an interesting schedule. I think they're playing a lot of the same teams they played over the years. They play VCU and Billy. We're let's let's run through and try to get a little prediction here. Let's go game by game through it. I think this would be could be pretty right, quick. Here we go. And kind of just go through and give our sides, and I'll keep up with it. I've got a little. Okay. We're, here, we're not going to have let's, video let's, here, but we're going to do it manually. I'm going to have my prediction versus yours and kind of see where we go. And sharp. and there may not be definitive here because there's going to be a lot of. Right. We've got to win about 50% of these. Or, or right. So here, here we go. Here we go. Let's do it quick here for the non-cons. Alabama State, win. Yep. All right. Texas State, win. Yep. Have to win that. VCU is when it gets tough. This is at home. Mm-hmm. VCU is a traditionally really good program. I'm going to say this is tough. I'm going to – VCU is a really good team, but I'm going to say win. It's at home. It's it's on November 17th. They got, they got a few days in between. I'm going to go win there. Yeah, I think probably the easiest way to do this, it has it broken up pretty well if you're in the ESPN app and reading through the I'm schedule. On, I'm on VU Commodore. So yeah, if, if you follow along, it has it broken up by the months. So I think that's probably the easiest way to do it because like I said, I don't think that you can give uh, they're going to win this one or not win. I think that in the month of November, they have game, they have four games in Alabama State, Texas State, Winthrop, and Mississippi Valley State that we can both look at in the month of November and say those should be wins, and you can and not saying Winthrop's a bad team, but Vanderbilt should win that game right. at home this season. So that's yes. four wins. Then you have at Pittsburgh and at home against VCU, and realistically, you need to split those. And I think that's probably you need to win one of those two. And, and what's your opinion there, Billy? Yeah, I, I mean, I think at Pitt's tough. Uh, you know, Pitt's not a very good program, though. I mean, Stallings is not there anymore, um, but he really he did a number on that program. I think they can win that one. You know, sheerly off talent. Um, so, Will, I, I agree with the split. I, I think, you know, I think they beat Pitt. VCU is a toss-up for me. So, I, I think they I think they lose one in the month of November. Um, I think they lose either one of against Pitt or VCU. Um, so, I think so, we're in agreement there that probably the, the ceiling's undefeated in November. That's obviously yes, the ceiling there. Uh, yes, the middle uh, is realistically 5-1 and one in November, and bottom of the barrel, our lowest expectation four should two. be 4-2 four and, four and yes, two exiting yes. November. I think we should – to keep the month thing going. Uh, that here seems we go. To be month thing. All right. Well. Let's yeah. go into December. And they have they start with SMU, then they have Temple, and then they have Loyola Chicago, and then Austin P, and then Hawaii, and then they also have, this is, is that right this is a, on this, this schedule? A, that game tips off at eleven p.m. 
on yes. ESPN two. Oh dear God, that's at midnight that's mid- midnight Eastern time on <laughs> on December twenty third. And well, that's a tournament though. That's, that's the Diamond Head Classic. So oh, they'll, yeah. they'll they'll either play BYU or South Florida, and then if they win that, they'll be in the championship. So championship would be on Christmas Day too. So um, that's going to be an interesting Diamond Head Classic. So that's December, Will. That's it for December. You've got SMU on the road, and you've got another tough one at home against Temple. Then you've got another tough one at home against Louisville, Chicago. Then you've got Austin P. And then you've got the Hawaii deal. So this is interesting, Will. I think the floor is – this is tough. SMU on the road is tough. They're, they're actually a really good program. Mm-hmm. I think if they go 3-1 and one before going to Hawaii, that's, that, that's, that's kind of the ceiling there. Uh, but then you go into Hawaii and, and that's a tough, you know, obviously, you know, not many people go over to Hawaii for that tournament, but BYU, South Florida, they, they could win that, you know, I mean, that, that's a, that's a tournament they could win. So will, if they go three and one and find a way to either play well and win in that, I think that's your ceiling there. Now, Loyola Chicago is another tough one. They've, they've struggled with them uh, at times at home. So I'm not counting them out uh, as a def- definitive win, but um, if they go four and one, if they go, you know, three and one there before the, uh, before the tournament to, uh, to, to Hawaii, I think they're, they're in good shape, but that's kind of an interesting stretch there with at SMU and then Temple and Loyola Chicago at home. Yeah, I think that stretch right there is going to be the make or break of the yeah. overall record, not make or break for the entire season, whether it's successful or not. But right. as far as if you look at their overall record at the end of the year and say, wow, that's not bad at all. I think it's going to be this stretch because I think yeah. SMU, Temple, Oil, Chicago, they could easily lose all three of those games. Yes, they could also win every single one of those games. I think mm-hmm. two wins there is probably reasonable. They should beat Austin P at home. And yes. honestly, even though it's at Hawaii in, in that classic, in that tournament, I think Hawaii should be a win. And then yes. after that, you know, it's hard to predict those because you don't know who they're right. going to be playing or, mm-hmm. or exactly what's going to happen. But I think in, in just those games that you know are going to be on the schedule, I think two and three is probably the basement. I think four and one um, should be the goal. Yeah. Um, and, and probably three and two is probably the the middle expectation right. reasonable expectation yeah and with that diamond head classic if they go down there and play really well and lose in the championship i think that's still a win in St- coach stack's mind and the fans minds but um yeah I, that's a tough stretch smu on the road and then you come home for temple and loyola chicago so if they split those four you're like okay you know that's all right you got to win but uh, i think they can they have a chance to improve that uh, that last first semester there in hawaii all right well let's go to january and this is a, you know, if you get an SEC play, this, this is, is the, this is the gauntlet and right here. Th- this is you begin the gauntlet and you start in a tough atmosphere at Arkansas, and then you return home for two home games against South Carolina and Kentucky, and then you've got at Georgia, then you return home for Tennessee, and then you've got uh, two road games, Florida at South Carolina, and then Georgia at home. So. Man, this is tough. You've got, let's see, here in the month of January, you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games. And, well, again, it's tough to predict these right now. You don't know a whole lot about these SEC teams. Um, but I think your, your toss-ups there are South Carolina, you're not even toss-ups. I think the, the, your, your games wins there. You have, you have your foremost winnable, and, and it's weird to see this, but your foremost winnable, in quotations, SEC games are yes. all in the month of January. Yes, yeah, so you, you play South Carolina twice in the month of January at home. And, and Georgia twice. And Georgia twice. So that's I think crazy. those, those yeah, that's wild. That, those, those four games there, if they're able to beat those teams at least once and maybe drop the ones they play on the road, that's I think that's realistic. But, man, 
you know, at Georgia is not going to be easy. At Arkansas is not easy. You got at Florida. And that was an interesting uh, game at Florida last year with Stack in the green suit, got ejected. But um, it's going to be – well, if they're able to beat Georgia and South Carolina at least once and then pick off maybe Florida, maybe Tennessee, maybe – I mean, maybe Kentucky. Those are tough to even talk about right now. But if they can beat South Carolina before playing Kentucky at home, that could be some momentum. But, man, it begins the gauntlet, and it's hard, it's just tough to predict right now. Yeah, I don't think my expectations are necessarily a winning record in the SEC, but I think here in this stretch you have to go at least three and five, bottom bottom of the barrel. If, if you're going to have a season that's a step forward, you have to win three out of the four uh, when you play South Carolina and Georgia. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that, then you really have to pick up one against Florida or Tennessee or Kentucky, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's your options. You can't go into this and win one of these games. That's going to not set you up for success because it doesn't get a whole lot easier in February. And if you're talking about wanting to get into that and they talk about it, they said they want to be top half of the SEC. Mm. If you're top half of the SEC, you have to take care of South Carolina and Georgia. And if you want to be top half, which we don't have them projected there, you have to go 4-0 and against those teams and beat Florida, Tennessee, or one of the Kentuckians. You have to go 5-3. and in this in this it's stretch such, and that, that's a tough tough grind there it, it and is. the sec didn't always used to be that way no and it's really crazy thinking about how they play georgia and south carolina twice in the month of january so that's that's you know they Even get to more see important to get yeah. chapman and robbins back exactly that stretch and that's another key there if you're able to get them back and playing at 100 you could see them pick off some of those teams all right february will you got eight more games and you start at rupp arena at kentucky well this is a game that has been it's been crazy to watch because at Kentucky Vandy has competed, you know, over these years, Vandy has played Kentucky tough. They haven't seemed to win those games, but they've played them tough. So at Kentucky to start in the month of February, you return home for two home games, LSU and Missouri. I think those, both of those are winnable by the way, at Tennessee at Auburn two. it was probably the two back-to-back toughest games on the road there. And then you've got A&M at home. And then you finish the month of November with a home game against Alabama and then at Mississippi State. So that stretch there, Will, of at Tennessee, at Auburn, A&M and Alabama at home, and then at Mississippi State is the toughest of the season, I think. But those three games there at Kentucky, they've shown they can compete at Kentucky, even with Stackhouse at the helm, and then LSU and Missouri. So I think reasonably here, Will, this is a tough stretch. I think if you go two and six, that could be the floor, maybe even one and seven. I mean, that's such a tough stretch. But I think the best case scenario, again, three and five. uh, But finding three wins here is tough because you got LSU, you got Missouri at home. Those are two wins I think they can grab. But after that, you know, AM and Alabama at home, maybe you pick off one of those. So it's tough looking at the February is the toughest. I think I haven't seen March yet, but uh, March, you only got two games and you got the SEC tournament. So I think February is a little bit tougher than January. So will, this is where we're going to learn a lot about this team. Are they, you know, I don't even want to say contenders, but are they in that top half? We're going to get our answer in the month of February. So I think I'll, it's tough for me to say this. I'll say two and six is the floor. Three and five is the ceiling. And again, this it's, it's just tough predicting because of how good this conference is, but some of those road games, man, all of them are going to be tough to win. It's tough predicting because you have, I have literally no idea. I mean, we predicted them at kind of a safe spot in nine or 10, but we don't know how this Vanderbilt team is going to look. There's so many new faces. You Mm -hmm. don't know when these guys are going to come back from injury. 
And there's so much dichotomy yeah. in the SEC. There, there's there's not a huge gap between six and 11. No. And that's where it makes no. it really tough predicting conference play, which is why it's easier to group these. Yes. And I think you probably see Missouri and Texas A&M and say, if you want to have a good season, you have to win those, especially mm-hmm. both home. of those being at home. You have to pick up one of the two of either at home against LSU or at Mississippi State. And then if you want to have a very successful season, you have to win one against Auburn, Alabama, Tennessee, or Kentucky. And so right there, I think you have the basement of being a one win February. I think realistically, if if we want to predict them where we have them predicted, I think you have to say expectations are three wins um, in the month of February. And I think high expectations if they want to be top half. I mean, even looking at the competition that they have there, you're going to have to go at least four mm-hmm. and four yeah. during that stretch. And that and that's a tough one because you have to beat real realistically LSU, Missouri, Texas AM, and Mississippi mm-hmm. State. And you just don't have any room for error yeah. because those top teams in Tennessee, Auburn, Alabama, Kentucky, and Arkansas are just really, really, really solid. Yeah. And Will, it's tough. We we're saying all this with the caveat of if they stay stay healthy. And you know, we talk about that every year, but um, if this team can stay healthy, I think some of these games that are toss-ups can be wins. I really do, especially some of them at home. Like when they play Kentucky at home, that's going to be, you know, we always say, oh, it's not a winnable game, but with this team, I think they can pull that off. And if Memorial Magic comes back, who knows? Um, but, Will, you got Alabama at home in that stretch, Florida at home, and Missouri and LSU at home. So I think if you win two of those, you're, you know, that that could be the seat, the, the floor there. But man, it's tough to talk about some of these ceilings. But well, let's get to the month of March. And it starts with March 1st, a home game against Florida. And before this, you've already played them on the road. So you know what you're getting. And then you've got at Ole Miss to finish the season. And Ole Miss is is always a tough environment. But Ole Miss is a team that if Vanderbilt can beat them on the road to finish that season, Again, we're going to learn a ton about this team, and and Ole Miss is a team they have to beat if they want to be in, if they want to be ahead of them. I mean, that's common sense, but if they want to move into that top half, so well, month of March you got Florida at home at Ole Miss, and then the SEC tournament. Again, two really tough games. I think if you beat Florida at home and then lose to Ole Miss, and you're able to get out of that Wednesday night, again, that's a massive leap in the right direction. But with the way this season goes, if you're at three wins those those last two games turn into must-win games to get out of Wednesday night, likely. So I think Florida at home, obviously that's winnable, but I wouldn't be surprised if they go 0-2 here and get like the 10th seed in the SEC tournament and barely get out, barely escape. Um, but, it Will, I also wouldn't be surprised if this team plays on a Wednesday night again. And it, I hate saying it, but, you know, it's, it's, it's more of what you've done for me lately. And if they have injury problems, you could get there again. So the floor, of course, you know, you want to get out of that Wednesday night the ceiling, I think, with this team is is playing on that Thursday and maybe playing at night to get a better seat. Um, so, Will, I, I, those last two games are tough, but you're, we're going to learn a lot about this team during those last two games. Yeah, I mean, we basically just ran through it, and I and I can I've done the quick crunch the numbers here. You got the finance department on that there on kind go. of where on kind of where we landed as far as wins are concerned where we uh, throughout this year, but. It looks like right now we have the floor, which of course we know the floor can always go lower. We continuously learn that (laughs) being Vanderbilt fans, the floor is never really the floor, but nine wins, I think is probably the basement of this team. If everything breaks wrong um, based on what we just ran through. And this of course does not count the games that are potentially going to be played in any type of 
holiday tournament or anything mm-hmm. because we don't know what those are going to be. Right. Um, so add in maybe one or two if you mm-hmm. want to get spicy there. <laughs> but our, our realistic expectations, Billy, which this is right on when you look at Ken Palm rankings or look at all the mm-hmm. predictions, and we just ran through it live, it's about 15 wins um, is about okay. right, which I think would be a step in the right direction. I think we oh, have yeah. the ceiling which of course is not a real ceiling. They could come out and Scottie Pippen Jr. could be the next Steph Curry and they could be unstoppable. Light it up. But the realistic ceiling is is right around 21 wins. And that would mean that this team has won the games that you went into the season and almost, not every single one, but almost every single one that you kind of Saying marked as a toss-up, 50-50, yeah. you won about 80-90% of those. Right. And that puts you right on the bubble, right at the chance to do that, which I think would be above our expectations going oh, yeah. into being a legitimate bubble team. So I think our middle of the pack right there, right around 15 to 16 wins, depending on what happens in that Diamond Head Classic, mm-hmm. um, I think is where we have it. And that's right at about where I think most of the country has it, just analyzing from the yes. outside. So we've ran through a lot more detail than any of those other previews that you'll listen Love to it. or read online. But we came to the same conclusion. So take that for uh, yeah. or, or as you will. Yeah, take it as you will. And, and I don't know too many people running through the entire schedule, ran through it month by month. but. Well, some of those non-conference games like VCU at home at Huge. Pitts, at Pitts going to be tough at SMU. You got Temple and then Loyola Chicago. If you separate those non-conference games and you pick out how they do in those, you're going to know a lot about this team and their record wise. Now you still got to get into SEC play, but man, some of those SEC matchups, obviously none of them are slouches. Like even the bottom four are never easy, which is, is crazy to say, but if they're able to beat some of those teams that have historically been in that bottom four, like Georgia, South Carolina, and Missouri, then I think you can see this team make a leap forward and and be in that be out avoid that Wednesday night game because that that's yeah and I of- think that's a re- that's a realistic way to, way to look at it. If you you don't take a jump from bottom of the SEC to have expectations of this is going to be a tournament team, this is a bubble team. No, I think that that this team specifically dropping any of these games that they should win, like an Alabama State, hurt. Texas State, Winthrop, Mississippi Valley State, Delta, Austin mm-hmm. P, even Hawaii, I think those games are so key because if you this team is obviously does not have confidence from on-court performance that they can consistently win. They may have built that throughout the offseason, but right. it just hasn't happened on the floor. So if they drop one of these early – or or vice versa, if they go on a streak early and can beat VCU and beat Pittsburgh, the, the confidence this team is going to build right. is going to be so the momentum is just going to keep rolling yeah. and rolling. So it can go either direction, which is why when you're looking at a basketball season, it's so much longer. Football season is so short. Easy to predict. Such, it's such a small we love it. size. You can really go through and just kind of see and really make a pretty damn accurate prediction at the beginning of the and year. It's, it's really one way be or another. Fun. Basketball, it's really going to be man. fun doing baseball. <laughs> yeah, you can, but you can see this team. I mean, really, you you see through. You can see this team going anywhere from being literally in the single digit wins, realistically. Yeah. And I think you can also go the other direction and say realistically, this team could have over twenty wins. And I don't think well, either of those. Yeah. E- either of those are insane. Now, are either of them likely? I don't think so. But neither of those, when we ran through that schedule, anybody would look at and say we have them beating these teams that they have no chance against. And yeah. I think that that's, that's a step in the right direction that we can look at these matchups and say, they at least don't have seven guys that are active on the roster on scholarship. They exactly. have enough depth, pending health, of course, enough depth. They have enough <laughs> they talent. Give. They have enough depth, even if they're unproven of potential playmakers, that we're at least going into the season with a sense of hope. 
Yeah, and I don't think that that has happened in the past few years, or that hope has been snatched yeah. very early. There, um, with some there's, injuries, a, there's, so a glimmer, there's a little there's a glimmer, glimmer of hope, hope in the air. <laughs> I love it. I love it, though. I love predicting basketball. I don't think we've ever done this, but I'm going to keep doing this. But, Will, another key for this team is how big are the jumps? How big are the jumps from these players? Can Jordan Wright make another leap? Can Tyron Lawrence make a leap? Can Trey Thomas make that leap? So, a lot of this is on just the pure development of Stackhouse and these guys and, and how they're able to fare in a system. So, uh, well, I don't want to say it, Billy, but this roster, if you add in the name of Dylan DeSue, looks damn oh, good. Don't, don't, why'd you I say don't want to tease you like that. You, but man, you, if you add him into that four spot with Liam awful. Robbins, Jordan Wright, Rodney Chapman, and Scotty Pippen Jr., that is a team you expect to be a. I don't want to say single-digit seed, but that's a top that's a top nine seed in the NCAA tournament. For a little salt in the wound, you're gonna, Dylan DeSue is going to be up for Player of the Year in, in the Big Twelve. I think, Ugh. honestly, I I, 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 really I think if you could go back in time, I'm legitimately curious. You'll never know the answer to this. I think DeSue <laughs> thought that Pippen was gone, and I, I think I mean, if I, he I, could I go back, I know Texas is his hometown team. But I think if you could go back in time and tell Dylan DeSue that Scottie Pippen's going to be back, I don't know if he he's leaves. back. He's kicking because, himself right now. Because I that combo, if you could have added the size Lethal. of Liam Robbins down low and then add another ball handler, that offense oh, is man. damn near unstoppable. Yeah. And so and that that's that just hurts to look at it, that and think, painful. man, we could have had two SEC Player of the Year candidates on one roster and a transfer from Minnesota that's yeah. a dominant it's, big man. It hurts a little bit. We, really. we got stabbed, and we're slowly pulling it out with, with Liam Robbins coming back and thinking of what could have been. But, well, Lee Dort, Noah Shelby coming in, those, are, those guys are going to be fun to watch. So no matter what happens in this season, we always have that caveat of looking forward to the future and saying, hey, we got two four-stars. Three four-stars. Four four we got three four-stars. Don't forget about Colin Smith and Malik Dia from a local kid from Innsworth. So uh, I guess the future is bright and in, in, uh, in men's basketball for Vanderbilt. And uh, we'll be, I'll be interested to see what the crowd and like. I are. And I do want to say – Are you going to be there Wednesday night? I will be there Wednesday night. I will be at there we Memorial go. Gym. So I, I will be there in person. I uh, likely, likely a sparse crowd is going to be there. But Dezoni is really one of the guys I hope yeah, I'm we pronouncing forgot about no, he just didn't get mentioned very much. He got lost in the shuffle. The dude was a four-star top 100 overall player in the country. He's talented. When they get in this class from Dort, Shelby, Dia, and Smith, mm. they get this class in, they are going to have six, I believe, even with the departure of Pippen, obviously. Uh, he's gone after this year. But yeah. even with that departure, they have probably six or seven four-slash-five-stars on this roster. And Ooh. that is a talent level that Vanderbilt has not had since the G Jenkins, Taylor, Azili days. They did have it during those days. I mean, you had a high four-star in Taylor. I believe Azili was a high was a four-star. Jenkins. Jenkins was a five-star. So and and Tinsley, Brad Tinsley was a four-star. Yep. So you had a lot of talent. Dejon Parker, rest in peace, was yes. a four-star. They, they had the talent under Stallings, and things just fell apart. You said you didn't want to call them a sleeping giant, and, and I get that because we're biased. We're very biased. Yeah. Uh, but I try not to be. And Vanderbilt <laughs> really checks all the boxes of a sleeping giant. They've already shown that the university, once they see success, can have buy-in. You've seen that in the baseball program. You've seen that they can bring in five- and four-star guys, and even when they haven't necessarily worked out, you saw Jenkins, Taylor, uh, you saw Garland, didn't work out. Simi Chateau, five-star, didn't work out necessarily. Neesmith kind of worked out. But you see this talent potential. They have a top 10, inarguably, when it maybe inarguably top 20, mm -hmm. arguably top 10, venue in all of college basketball memorial it's electric you have a you have a head coach in jerry stackhouse that 
without another word to use, he's just cool. It's a cool head coach to have in Jerry Stackhouse. Swaggy. He checks all checks all the boxes that this team could potentially be a sleeping giant because once they can get in the star power, Scottie Pippen is a star. If he can continue to play as well as he's developed in college into the pros, he already yeah. has the name recognition, he has the following, and he reps Vandy on social. Mm -hmm. So that is a big thing that we talked about in recruiting, that you've seen that a little bit in guys like Garland, but he just didn't play as much as Vanderbilt. You need those guys that are synonymous with the Vanderbilt brand of whatever sport it is. Dansby Swanson, great example. Walker Bueller. Mm -hmm. that are synonymous with Vanderbilt, but also go on to have these careers in the NBA. And then mm -hmm. that's just going to keep on building the momentum. And yeah. this is the first real step in showing any of that on the court. And next year is really going to be the testing point. Uh, yes, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Stack, it's up to Stackhouse. It's up to Stackhouse, his staff, and these players. And, and you know, they, they, I think, you know, more of what, what I was thinking was right now, you know, where they're at right now in the trajectory has their status of a sleeping giant been disintegrated. Now, you know, I, I'm not saying this team, this program's dead by any means. I think they can come back to life. But – um, it's going to take a lot and, and it's up to stack in this team. Now next year, Will, I'm with you. You know, these guys can, that's a tournament team next year. Um, and we'll get to that season uh, when, when we're there, but um, Will, it was fun. And, and Hey, it all starts Wednesday night. Will Byron will be in the building at Memorial gym. That is a seven o'clock Eastern time tip off uh, there. Six o'clock central. I'm not mistaken there. So uh, Alabama state, uh, the, it uh, looks like they're it's, the se it's seven, seven central, I believe. Seven central. I would, okay. I, I would not be able to attend if it was 6 PM central. Seven so I'm central. Not, I'm not, not usually off work by then. Seven o'clock central. Adult life, adult life is not fun though. <laughs> I'll be there soon. All right, Stay man. Stay in college forever. I uh, wish. All right, here we go. <laughs> that does it for episode 123 of the Doorport full basketball preview. For myself, Billy Derek, and Will. Byron. Oh, Billy, I do want to add in one thing before you sign off here. We are going to try to start doing previews and recaps yes. for each game. They're, yes. they're going to be quick in a lot of these non-conference games. But this wow. Alabama State is an exception because we're dropping this full season preview. Mm -hmm. But starting with Texas State, we're going to be trying to at least do with one or both of us a little 15, 20-minute preview on every yeah. single matchup and try to do a little 15, 20-minute recap as well. We'll have it. We'll have it for you. Door Report has it all. Uh, again, that that does it. So stay tuned. We already got the Alabama State preview. You could call this an Alabama State preview. Kind of. Uh, but the first preview, I'm assuming, will will be. Uh, let's see here. It'll be VCU prize. So we'll probably have a full preview for the uh, for Shaka Smart. It's not actually there anymore, but I remember VCU was Shaka Smart. But uh, VCU preview coming up. But also, you've been listening to 123 episode 123 of the Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floor.